Asolatida. We don't. I, we don't. We don't have one of those whistles. The. Yeah. Whatever. Oh the the uh oh what do they call those? Uh. Damn it! I used to know the name for that. Anyway. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cracking One Open with Mike and Elise. Today, we'll be taking an extra special trip down to... No, I'm just kidding. I don't... Why you gotta fake us out like that, man? I don't know. That's not fair. I was trying to think of a funny opening. You have, like, glitter on your nose, by the way. That's unicorn cocaine. Yeah. (laughs) Gotta get yourself amped up for the cast. Mm, Let's do it! (laughs) Oh, it's so hot outside. Small dog is so sad. That's right. It is a sweltering day. Yes. But it's a good thing we're going to have some nice, cool refreshment in the form of... <gasps> All right. So this week we are cracking open. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Nihon kara kita neku. If I, if I said that right, I did. Did you listen to people say it before impressed? you said it? Yeah. Uh, like, if impressed. I didn't get that right, blame Google Translate because <laughs> I listened to it on repeat like several times. Uh, so translated, it means some cat from Japan <laughs> and it's an IPA from Single Cup Beer Smiths, which is located in New York. They have two locations, one in Astoria and one in Clifton Park. And Single Cut was created back in 2012. Founder uh, Rich Buchetta is passionate about beer and music and wanted a place where, quote, hops and vinyl could shine side by side. Rich says, my obsession is creating original hop driven beer distinguished by a firm respect and admiration for West Coast pioneers and bending that to our East Coast slash New York City interpretation. So with his steadfast determination for the perfect pint, Rich penned Mastery Knows No Shortcut as the mission statement for Single Cut. Uh, He explained that it boils down to always demanding greatness, never compromising, and always play at maximum volume. Words to live by. (laughs) Right on. (laughs) What did I? Excellent. So the name single cut refers to a body style of guitar. And in fact, a lot of the names of their beers are inspired by music or musicians in some way. So they have one beer called, does anybody remember laughter? It's an IPA. And I guess that refers to something that Robert Plant said during a live performance of Stairway to Heaven, which is on the record. Um, The song remains the same. And apparently it was just like, an ad lib in the middle of a live performance, but he ended up being embarrassed by it later and wanted it cut out, but it was a live performance (laughs) and like everyone remembered it. So it's it's just kind of this like piece of rock history. Another name is KT66, and that refers to the founder's favorite tubes and amp parts. So I'm very big on music. So some cat is one of their rotating beers and they refer to it as kind of a junior version of one of their other beers, which is called Wild and Weird and Gilly IPA. Um, so just for reference, Weird and Gilly is a juicier, higher ABV version of some cat. And the difference there is uh, 6.6% as opposed to 4.2%, which is what we're going to have. 6.2 so, is still not too, too high. 6.6 versus 4.0. I mean, comparatively, yeah. yeah. Um, So they describe it 
Uh, they describe Weird and Gilly as having a, quote, soft, doughy, and slightly tangy malt that lies under bright citrus, round tropical fruit, and mild pine resin hop aromatics that underscore the waves of flavor to come. Ooh. So some cat from Japan, which again is like the the baby beer mm-hmm. of this uh, weird and gilly, they describe as a double dry hopped mini IPA, but it's only mini in ABV because the cat packs a massive punch, juicy apricot, ripe, fresh squeezed orange juice, Ooh. a touch of mango candy and a clean dry finish makes this Nico the perfect summer pet. Orange juice, you say? Mm-hmm. It's an interesting descriptor. Yeah. Um, so Single Cut recommends drinking it fresh in a clean, wide-mouthed glass, and it should be stored upright and poured out carefully because it is unfiltered. I wish every beer came with glassware recommendations like that. Well, now I got to go search out our wide mouth, our widest mouth glass <laughs> <laughs> for the uh, the episode yeah. when I grab the beer. Uh, so some cat has an IBU rating of 66, according to the can, but on the website, it's listed as 71. So it's not going to make too much of a difference, but I wonder if maybe this isn't the first time that they've made it. So maybe they have tweaked the recipe between the first time and this time. What's the IBU of the original, the Gilly? Much higher. Okay. Much, much higher. Never mind. So some cat was brewed with... Quote, New Age, PNW, and New Zealand hops. Unfortunately, this is not terribly specific. PNW, in this case, stands for Pacific Northwest. So we're talking about hops that were grown mostly in Washington, Oregon, and Idaho. Um, So the most popular ones are Cascade, Simcoe, Citra, Centennial, Mosaic, Chinook, and Amarillo. We're never going to figure it out. But we are pretty well versed in those hops. It's true. Um, it's most of them. Yeah. So based off of previous episodes and the fact that they are like ubiquitous in the brewing world right now, I'm very curious to see if we can pick any of them out. But yeah, I'm I'm, I'm just kind of sad that I couldn't find the ones that were specifically used for this brew. And again, same case for the New Zealand hops. There are some really popular standouts that we've talked about in the past few episodes, mm-hmm. like Nelson Salvin, Rakao, Motueka, and Wakatu. But we just don't know. Exactly what we're we're getting in this beer. Yeah. The New Zealand hops, I think, feel like for us anyway, mm-hmm. on the East Coast are newer yes. in our palate. So although I love them and I'm, I'm really into them now because mm-hmm. <laughs> they're because they're different. They are. It's a little too soon to be able to test them. You know what I was thinking, though? Mm-hmm. You know how when we go to uh, like a brewery like Two Roads and they put the hops in the different jars with the little holes so you can smell yeah, them? Yeah, so I want that. To, we should do that. Mm-hmm. We should get to the point where we can do that so that when we're drinking them and for beers like this where we don't necessarily know, mm-hmm. we can be like, hmm, and like compare yeah. and figure it out. That'd be cool. Hashtag goals. Like I want, I want to be able to do that. Send us dry hops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's be led by our senses and, and previously gathered knowledge. Ugh. and. And crack this baby open. I want to go on a musical cat beer journey. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Ready? Yeah. Ooh. ooh. I'm not Good positive. But yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's going to end up being a decent crack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like we cracked it open well. Ooh. 
So yeah, an IBU rating definitely does not necessarily indicate what color to expect. That's why we got to shine a light through all these beers yeah, now. Well, that's that's <laughs> a different scale. Remember, that's the SRM. I know. We got to learn scale. math. <laughs> but this is a surprisingly light straw yellow orangey color, but it's very hazy. And it smells so fantastically citrusy. I yeah, used I think, all my I think we both filled it up way too much. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but we are using our wide mouth glasses. That's right. I went, I found them. Mm-hmm. We're good. I could definitely get that apricot on the nose. Yep. So I'm very interested because they were were so adamant about the the, the orange, orange juice, juice being the that fresh second squeezed one. orange juice. Yeah. I can kind of get that sweetness that maybe the apricot doesn't usually have to mm-hmm. it. Which is good because, like I said a couple episodes of ago, just kind of bored of apricot. You're apricoted out. I'm, I'm apricot and mangoed out. All right. I'm going in. <gasps> Ooh, that is super juicy for being a, quote, mini IPA. I get, yeah. I kind of like it because it's the mini IPA. It doesn't have as much of that, I don't want to say burn, but that like, ooh, power. Mm-hmm. And I get that orange juice kind of mellows out it the is. apricot. And you know what it reminds it me of a little bit? What? The tropical fruit punch boxes you get as a kid. The tropical fruit punch juice oh, boxes. <laughs> Not the ones that were like fruit punch. It was like apple and grape and this. The mm-hmm. ones that were like the tropical ones where it's like pineapple and mango and oranges. And like the nondescript. Yeah. yeah. Quote unquote tropical. Mm-hmm. But that's what this tastes like. It is. It's very. There's the hops are surprisingly subdued i mean they're they're not subdued i take that back but they de- they take a back seat to the juice up front the juice is the very first thing the, you get the but then you get that pine after yeah as you breathe through your nose you get that normal piney kind of note but i get that i get that it's a west coast yeah kind of pine inspired and feel to those hops mm-hmm. i think i finally started to get a, I, I don't know if i can accurately describe them through words which is <laughs> shitty for a podcast <laughs> but i can definitely tell now that's definitely west coast yeah we're starting to as definitely opposed be able to, to this is east coast because for those who don't know at least in southern connecticut here and even you know we go to the city i mean not now yeah <laughs> but you know we do go to the city we're, we're very close to it frequently yeah. so we're lucky enough to be able to be an hour train ride away so right. we can go in at our leisure. But uh, you don't get a lot of those. Pandemic notwithstanding. <laughs> you don't get a lot of the, the West Coast IPAs where we are. No. Like Southern Connecticut, New I York. I feel like that's a very new thing. Aside from anything really like big, like. Sierra Nevada and stuff like that. Yeah. Stuff over. yeah. yeah. I, I like this a lot. Me too. This is not at all what I was expecting, by the way. Mm-mm. Like, I know you read the little description. When we picked it, well, you when we picked it up, you yeah. read what it was about. I just really liked the can <laughs> and knew it was single cut. And I've I've had a few things by single cut at mm-hmm. this point, and I really like. It. I think I might have had the gilly at a restaurant once. Yeah, I'm not positive, but I think I did. It had a very the name cool logo. Sounds very familiar. But I know I've personally bought cans of single cut because mm-hmm. the single cut logo is super familiar. Yes, and I know I've had quite a, a few things from them. I I. I feel like I have had at least something else from them before. I know you have. Yeah. But I was expecting something a little bit more in terms of like an, uh, an Asian style or a Japanese style beer. Like a, uh, one starts with an S. The one Sapporo? Was, yeah. Something like a Sapporo or something oh, like okay. that. Like a really light, refreshing lager or mm-hmm. Pilsner type beer. So this isn't what I was quite expecting. 
but I'm okay with it. Yeah. Because it is really- I am very okay with that. Really good. Like such like a juice bomb, like this isn't something I would normally have in the summertime. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they're usually so thick. But it is so light. It because is, it's it is, four yeah. point something. But it's crushable. It's like a crushable juice bomb. Mm-hmm. And the, I think that's why they made it was because Weird and Gilly was so popular, but maybe it's on the heavier side. And so they're, they're loyal brewery goers were demanding something that was more crushable, easy drinking. Well, that's like a couple of brews. Like Two Roads does that with their from we, Too Juicy. No, oh, no. From Too Juicy to Little Juicy. Oh, true. Yep. New England Brewing Company does that for, don't they do a fuzzy baby ducks and they have another one as well? That's like they, the same they thing. They do double smaller. fuzzy. Oh, they go from double fuzzy to that. They go the opposite way. Yeah. I feel like that that's common for a lot of the breweries around here is to do a double version of. Or in terms of something Thimble that's Island, already. Yeah. Let's take it and triple it up. Yep. Or Tribus where it's just like, fuck it. It's a triple. <laughs> uh, Literally. That That's is true. the name yeah. of one of their triples. That's their first, I think their first triple is just <laughs> fuck it. But no, this is, I really like this. Me too. And I'm glad there's two more uh, cans in the fridge right now. Yes. Because this is really, really refreshing, but also really juicy. Yeah. It's got so much flavor for having, for being such a light drinkable beer. It's a hazy juice bomb that you can almost drink, not quite like a session, but almost like a session. Mm-hmm. And it's color, if you looked at it, you would not think it was this light. No. You would look at it and go, this is a juice bomb. I yeah. mean, what's cool is, at least even looking up at the light, the center is really orangey. Mm-hmm. And then it's got the yellow haze at the top and bottom, which I think is really, really cool. It's a very interesting color in the light. Very, very interesting. Very cool looking. I'm going to go back on the nose real quick. Yeah. Because the nose has evolved and is more orange juicy. And maybe even grapefruity yeah. on the top than an apricot. Because an apricot you smell and you're just like apricot. Yes. Which as soon as I open the can, I got a little bit of a toned down apricot. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would agree with that. In the glass now having a few sips. Actually more than a few sips. This is just a huge beer that I poured way too much of in this glass. <laughs> <laughs> I've had quite a bit already. The smell off the top of the glass, just putting your nose in it is is very... It's still got a little bit of the apricot, but it's it's so much more of that, like what you would get if you open a bottle of grapefruit juice or orange juice. Or Yeah, I'm getting orange juice. And like, I I think their descriptor of a touch of mango candy is mm-hmm. also very accurate. It's, yeah, it's very sweet. With the underlying pine and resin. I almost wonder if that's why I like it a little better with the apricot. Because although because apricot it's is sweet, it's very, I don't know, sour or bitter or pungent. There's something about apricot that like needs something else. Yes. And it, I, it needs a counterpart. But I do like apricot beers. You know, all my complaints about apricot are just that everything is apricot. But when apricot beers first came out, I was like, holy crap, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when, when you have it way too much, you're just like, you can tell like, this is apricot. But when you, when you can add things to it and yeah. make it interesting, yeah. that sets you apart from everybody else who really doesn't do anything about it or mm-hmm. doesn't add anything new to the formula so i got a question for you professor sure can you figure out what kind of west coast hop it is i'm gonna lean more chinook and simcoe i feel like this does not have the same characteristics as i mean it could very well have citra and all those other ones but i feel like it has the more unique 
I, I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> Citra and Mosaic are in everything. I feel like it's m- slightly more distinguishable when it has Simcoe, Chinook, or Amarillo. I was so gonna I'm going to go with one of those. Simcoe, but I also think maybe Citra Hops. Although, it's already juicy enough. Mm, no, I'm going to go Citra and But the New Zealand Simcoe. hops are very juicy. The New Zealand hops are also very piney. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm not an expert. I wanted you to guess. I don't want to. And I, I, I want to know where the the apricot orange. I want to know where the orange juice comes from. What maybe, hop imparts orange? Maybe it was a happy accident while combining yeah. both of the hops and brewing the beer with the malts. True. Maybe the malts made it orangey. Because yeah, I don't think you have to go too far to make an apricot into an orange. Yeah. In terms of your flavors, because you got to remember that it doesn't actually have apricot in it. Mm-hmm. It just tastes crap ton like apricot yeah but if you water down an apricot you kind of got some orange juice mm-hmm. so maybe that's how they got to it maybe the malts kind of calm it down a little bit because we don't know what malts are in here right no because we that's never what i was know gonna say that, yeah they, the very <laughs> few breweries specify the, the malts that are used it would help this us out a lot really though. really good oh, no, i'm gonna finish this by the end of the episode <laughs> which i don't usually do mostly because i'm busy talking but in this case like i'm gulping it like this is just it's so crushable a little heavy that's the thing is like i don't know if it's crushable because it is a little heavy but it's not super heavy but i mean i can still drink like 80 of these (laughs) because they're so delicious they are i'll just be like oh man i need more like this is incredibly tasty we're in our apartment right now if we Mm -hmm. were on out on our deck i'd probably be like "Mm, yeah 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 in the sun with the the umbrella up yep chilling the tiki deck oh man i'd be drinking (laughs) I've been drinking a lot of these. <laughs> this is really, really, really good. Yeah. So can time. Can time. So if you want to buy this and you're looking for the can, this is a particularly cool can. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you why. Number one, it's embossed. <laughs> uh, so I'm a very, Which is very, you are a very, I'm tactile, a very tactile person. person. Yeah. Very, very tactile person. And. You look at this can and it's the usual tall boys, the usual silver tall boy pint cans. Mm-hmm. What makes this label stand out, though, is it's got a little single cut tab, I guess, coming out the top, mm-hmm. like a guitar neck, like the top of a guitar yep. neck. Um, fret. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's called the fret, right? No, the frets are the, what's the very top of the guitar neck called? The top of the guitar neck. I should know. I don't, but I should. Your dad's. Mad gonna at you be right very now. disappointed. You listen to this going, really? <laughs> I know it's called a neck where, where all the strings are. Mm. Oh, yeah, no, you're right. There, it's not a fret. Yeah. So the first thing he tells both of us when yep. we go over the house <laughs> next time. Uh, but it's pretty cool because it's just it's like this little tab sticking out that says single cut Bruce Smith. Beer Smiths. Beer Smiths, right? Single cut Beer Smiths, which mm-hmm. is really interesting. Yeah. A little different than most other brewery call or what most other breweries call themselves. Mm-hmm. Then you get the wraparound logo, which is about tan. One thing that kind of stands out is the very center of the logo is one of those kind of Hello Kitty type Japanese good luck cats that have so, like the hands that go up and down. Up can and I down. continue my notes? At this oh, that's point. right. You had those so, extra notes. Yeah. I know the label art is mostly your thing and I'm not going to infringe on any of the rest of it. That's fine. <laughs> but I did just want to talk about the can, uh, the cat that's on the can. So it's called a Meneki Neko which means beckoning cat, but they are commonly known as lucky cats in Western culture. 
but they originated back in the 18th century, most likely in Tokyo, but some believe that it was Kyoto. Um, And side note, Tokyo at that time was known as Edo. I actually knew that. Yeah. So it it kind of looks like the cat is washing its face, right? Mm-hmm. Apparently, there is a Japanese belief that a cat washing its face means that a visitor will soon arrive. This may even be related to an older Chinese proverb that states that if a cat washes its face, it will rain. So over time, that morphed into a belief that a figure of a cat washing its face would bring in customers. Oh. So now it's very popular to see these maneki neku figures displayed at the entrance of shops, restaurants, pachinko parlors, and dry cleaners, and on and on. Yep. And a lot of these figures will even be solar or battery powered to have that one paw just continuously moving in that beckoning motion. It is often but not always depicted as holding a coin. And it's important to know which paw is being held up because there's significance to that as well. Um, So if the statue is raising its left paw, it's meant to gain more customers. If the statue is raising its right paw, it's meant to get more money. So it's said that any cat with the left paw is displayed at a business and the cat with the right paw up is for home. This cat has its left paw up. There you go. Um, So another thing is that the cat is traditionally a white calico Japanese bobtail, which is what it looks like on this can. Mm -hmm. But over the years, um, with the combination of feng shui, different variations were born. So the original white color is still meant for good luck and good fortune, while black is to ward off evil. Red is for good health. Yellow or gold is for wealth. And pink is for romance. (laughs) And it's also what Meowth from Pokemon is based on, except the coin is the projectile weapon from its forehead Mm -hmm. when it uses its signature move payday. Uh, I was going to say he kind of looks like Meowth. Yep. Awesome. So there you go. A little bit of history. Mm, I like it. I like it. Do you know what it says on his coin? I do not. Damn it. (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) The good luck hats on the front. He's going from his left because they want customers, not money. But customers mean money. But I guess it's more friendly to just say customers. Yeah. So that's it. That's that's basically the logo on the can. The tan lines have these darker tan lines that kind of go through it to give it a little bit of dimension. Mm-hmm. But that cat's just sitting there going, hey, buy me, which is honestly hey. the very first thing I noticed when I saw this yep. can was it that worked. Cat. And marketing. I thought it was single cut, which I knew I liked already. Mm-hmm. The single cut logo is on either side of the can, which, A, I like this font a lot. Yeah. And I've always liked this font. Uh, it's very clean. Yeah, it's very modern and clean, but also kind of 60s-ish. I don't know. There's something about it. I really <laughs> dig. In fact, I think it might kind of look like the Star Trek font with that N that kind of goes up. I So the yeah. N is kind of lowercase, but everything else is kind of sl- uppercase. It's only slightly italicized, like just a... Yeah. It's like, ugh, like a knee up kind of mm-hmm. thing. So, but the single cut logo, single cut Bruce Smith's mastery nose note shortcut their logo is on the, their sayings on the side of the logo is embossed in shiny black. And oh <laughs> man, is it fun to touch? It is super smooth, shiny, embossed. I like this can. If we were drinking it out of the can, your beer would get warm so fast because you would not put it down. Oh, I'd be rubbing it. Yeah. Like I'm doing right now. I just like putting my fingers over, <laughs> over that logo. I just, there's something about like tactile feel of stuff. 
especially embossed stuff where you can feel the logos mm-hmm. and, and the writing. I really have always liked that. I really can't get over that. I can't tell you guys enough how much I like that. On the left side of the can, there is a tank, like a brewing tank on the side, which I think is kind of cool. Okay. That is also embossed. It's like a little photo, black mm-hmm. and white photo. And underneath it says, Ropeson says, come visit our brewery. <laughs> I don't know who Ropeson is unless they named their first vat, maybe, which is adorable, I yeah. guess. <laughs> and yes, single cut, we would love to visit your brewery. I mean, if it's only in Astoria. Yeah, it's not far away. We've been there a few times before. The other side of the logo, underneath the single cut part on the right side, there is actually cuneiform there. Mm-hmm. that says something in Japanese. I believe it's the name of the beer. Yeah. But in that's what Japanese. I had, that's what I used to, ju- oh, to, to translate. Like the, yeah. And it says IPA ale, one pint, 4.2% alcohol by volume. I did not practice it, so I am not going to bother trying to say the Japanese word. <laughs> 66 IBU. Brewed and canned by Single Cup Beersmiths, Astoria, New York City, and Clifton Park, New York. So I guess both of them brew this exact same. I think they type have two tap or, rooms, but I don't. They didn't. They didn't really go into. There wasn't a lot well, about the history what? of the. Yeah, I don't think any brewery is really going to be like we brew this one here and this one here. Yeah. So like they just probably take turns or whatever. In fact, I very much doubt that if they have two breweries, they're both brewing this one. Unless it's such a good seller, they probably yeah. split up the jobs. They do seem to have a, a pretty decent amount of, of a selection. So underneath that, it says single cup beersmiths is proud to maintain the American tradition of beer locally made from craft by zealots slash lunatics <laughs> who believe hard work, truth, pride and passion always should come before profit. I don't know if that's quite the American tradition, but <laughs> I mean, I think that's what everyone Wants the American tradition it's the to be. idealized. Yeah. yeah. Uh, singlecut.com is their website. And then it says drink ASAP in a clean, wide mouthed glass. Store cold and upright, unfiltered, pour carefully. That says it right on the can, which is nice. Like you said, drink ASAP. I think it's nice too. There's an urgency. Although it's it's canned. It's good. That's cold. You keep a cold canned. It'll last a while in your fridge. But this is something you don't want it to hold for too long because unlike most juice bombs or juicy beers, this is a crushable, nice summer yeah. juice bomb. It is actually probably why you'd put off drinking the this. only summer juice bomb I've ever had. Yeah. I know we talked about like Little Juicy and other people taking some of their beers and like toning it down mm-hmm. to be a little bit more drinkable. But even then, they're very much like, ooh, that's still really hazy. Yeah. And heavy. This is like so crushable in a good way. For sure. So that's what I got for yeah. beer. Any final tasting notes? No, I I feel like the the orange and the it's not even distinctly pine. It's like a mix of pine and resin is what's really getting me now. And I, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. The initial taste through your mouth is this juicy fruit punch. And the smell out your nose when you breathe out right after it is like a nice summer day in your neighborhood. <laughs> it's really good. Really, really good. So check it out. Single cut. Some cat from Japan. But all you're going to see on the logo is that beckoning cat. cat, the lucky cat. There's no actual like label like this mm-hmm. says some cat from Japan. Check it out. Yeah. So good. All right. You got anything in the pop culture zeitgeist today? A little bit. It's been uh, it's been a slow week. Been a slow month. Been a slow. For you, I got some news. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, my little bit of news is that Alan Menken has officially achieved 
EGOT status. Oh, snap. <laughs> so with his daytime Emmy Award win uh, yesterday, he is only the 16th entertainer to catch them all. He joins the ranks of Audrey Hepburn, Mel Brooks, Rita Moreno, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, John Legend, Tim Rice, Andrew Lloyd Webber. It's a it's a short list. He should have already won that for Gallivant. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so for those of you who who might not get the reference, EGOT stands for Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. And the acronym was actually coined back in 1984 by Philip Michael Thomas, who stated that his goal at the time of winning all of them um, after Miami Vice took off. And then he and then the term gained wider recognition after Tracy Morgan referenced it as his character, Tracy Jordan, throughout the entire season four of 30 Rock. No, he was all about getting that he got in that yep. season. I remember that. Yep. Uh, so this is Mencken's first Emmy win, although he was technically given an honorary primetime Emmy win uh, back in 1990 for his work on Wonderful Ways to Say No, which is obviously an anti-drug thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently that doesn't count for an EGOT. You got to win legit. Yeah. It's a, it's a competitive win versus a, yeah. What did he win for? This was for best original song in a children's slash young adult or animated program for Disney Channel's Rapunzel's Tangled Adventure. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. I was going to say, daytime TV, what's he winning? Yeah. Uh, he's also won eight Oscars and 11 Grammys. So he is well on his way to a double EGOT, which according to my very brief research, only one other person has achieved. Two um, of everything? At least two of everything. And that is Robert Lopez. Interesting. Yeah. I believe in Alan Menken. <laughs> Man wrote all the songs for my he childhood. He deserves it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Gallivant. He should have already had it. Now. <laughs> if you haven't watched Gallivant, I think it's still on Hulu. Check out those oh, yeah? those two seasons because it's a fantastic show. It is. So funny. That's what I got. Okay. What'd you got? So for those of you who watched last week's episode, you know that it was Comic Con this week. Comic Con at home. San Diego Comic Con. Everybody could watch. The news wasn't maybe the biggest reveals, mm-hmm. but there were some reveals. So reveal number one, Archer season 11 if you haven't watched Archer yet on FX, where have you been? What have you been doing? It's been out for forever. It's on season 11. Watch it. It is one of the funniest shows of all time. Mm-hmm. Animated or not. Well, we love it. We've been rewatching the whole series again. Yeah. It's just a joke every like 10 seconds. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's such a clever show. So well written. It's so. Yeah. All the voice actors are so good. Like it's just it's so well written. So originally, apparently, it was supposed to come out in May, which I did not know. But due to COVID-19 stuff, it got delayed. So Archer will finally be premiering on FX and on Hulu on September 16th. So in just a a month and a half's time, essentially, from when we're recording this, Archer will be out. So I'm very excited for that. Mm -hmm. I believe it is a 10-episode season, although the notes in front of me don't tell me, which is average for Archer. Standard. They didn't really, the cast, most of the cast was there, but they didn't give away too much about what the show would be this season. Okay. Other than, for those who don't know, Archer has been in a coma for three seasons Mm -hmm. and they've been doing spoofs on different genres while Archer itself is a spy show. So they're finally getting back into the spy genre. Archer's Mm -hmm. finally woken up from his coma. And we also know that 
Simon Pegg and Jamie Lee Curtis will appear as guest characters this nice. season, which is pretty cool. Uh, so again, check out Archer September 16th. Yeah. Plenty of time to rewatch the whole show. Oh, God, I guarantee yeah. you, you're going to be like us and you're just going to watch one episode after the other day after it, yeah, day. It's so you watch a season, watch. Two se- uh, uh, season in two days. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. The other bit of news is also some premiere news. Star Trek Discovery, which has filmed their season three like forever ago, it seems. Oh, wow. Is finally going to be premiering in just a few months. On Thursday, October 15th, the show will start releasing. It'll be 13 episode season, which I believe is what all the rest were. Releasing weekly on CBS All Access uh, in the States. If you're not in the States, I believe you watch it on Netflix the exact same way. Okay. Or you have to wait till it all comes out. I'm not positive about what it's like outside of the States. For those not following, season two's finale. The Starship Discovery got launched far into the future. So you'll finally see the Star Trek universe further in the future than we've ever been before by hundreds and hundreds of years. And the Discovery crew will have to kind of, it looks like, pick up the pieces of the Federation and try to fix the future in a little bit of ways, which seems kind of interesting and also akin to Gene Roddenberry's concept for Andromeda, which was a show that he wrote that wasn't created until far after his death, starring Kevin Sorbo, which... Was not good, but I enjoyed it. Was super bad. Was that based on a Michael Crichton book? No, that's the Andromeda Strain is what you're thinking of. Completely different. Yep. Gene Roddenberry created Andromeda (laughs) back in the 60s. It was never made until the early 2000s. What was it? Late 90s. Something like that. And it was a syndicated show. Okay. So check that out. Boldly go in October. (laughs) (laughs) On October 15th. I'm very excited for it. Season two of Discovery was really, really good. Discovery has proven itself to be a, a, a really solid Star Trek show and a really solid show in general mm-hmm. and probably like the draw for CBS All Access. As you are wearing a Star Trek shirt. I am wearing my Star Trek shirt today. <laughs> so check that out. My last bit of news, which I think is kind of interesting. So we don't usually do COVID news, but mm-hmm. this is kind of a reaction to COVID stuff, but I think it's kind of interesting okay. anyway. So Warner Brothers will be releasing Tenet the Christopher Nolan film internationally first before premiering in the U S in select theater. So who knows who is going to get it. So starting at 70 international territories, Australia, Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, Korea, Russia, and the United kingdom on August 26th, then Canada 27th before making its way to select North American theaters on September 3rd. So Warner Brothers already said after they've delayed the movie a bunch of different times that they're just going to be very flexible with releasing Tenet. It's not going to be a traditional release. However, my thinking is, Mm -hmm. A, your biggest markets are China and America. In China, they've blocked movies from releasing that run over two hours from playing in theaters so that people aren't stuck in a small space for more than two hours. Yep. Tenet is going to be two hours and 20 minutes long. Actually kind of short for a Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah. But... (laughs) Uh, Warner Brothers is hoping that China is going to ease up on their rules for Tenet. I doubt they will. Yeah. Why like, is that? A it's special... a safety thing. Not like, a, oh, yeah, Christopher Nolan's movies are so good. Yeah. Let's risk stuff. <laughs> but China's one of your biggest markets and America's your biggest market. As soon as this thing goes up in the United Kingdom, in France, Germany, you know that it's going to immediately hit the pirate airwaves. Yeah. You're going to see it on anywhere you can download with your VPN. You download this movie. It's going to lose so much money doing this instead of just waiting 
like every other film. It seems like it's in such a rush to be the very first film Mm -hmm. that it doesn't care that it's going to lose so much money. And I had read that this film is very, very costly in the 200 million range, kind of in terms of marketing and and cost. It's just what I've heard. No movies ever kind of release what their actual marketing is. Mm -hmm. So you're going to release it internationally. It's going to get bootlegged. Your biggest markets can't see it. They'll start downloading it if they want to see it, if it's available. Mm-hmm. Hell, half the movies end up on on Pornhub now. I mean, I mean, <laughs> remember when Camille uh, Stuber, Camille Nanjiani found his his movie on Pornhub and made an account and like told people about it on Twitter. Like, I've made it big. My movie's finally there. Like, <laughs> people are going to stream it. They're going to steal it. They're going to watch it in any way they can. And yeah. the, the biggest markets are the ones who are now going to be the ones who want to see it first and are mm-hmm. going to try to steal it to see what the big spoilers are because Christopher Nolan movies are so mysterious that you don't know what it's about, which then means the spoilers will hit the internet, which means yep. the movie will be ruined for people who will rather wait anyway for it to be released in the current climate. Whereas quiet place Two, top gun, Candyman, uh, the purge Mulan, all these other movies have stopped and are waiting for next year or the release streaming or bill and Ted where it's both theaters and streaming. It just doesn't make sense to just wait. I know Christopher Nolan needs to be the first one out, but the movie is going to lose so much money. Mm-hmm. And if the whole thing is you need that theatrical experience by releasing it in them, their, those markets first, and then bringing the theater, theatrical experience to Americans after the fact, the movie experience will be ruined because so many people will have known what the movie is. Yeah. And your biggest fans will have been spoiled. Yeah. Because try as you might, spoilers are everywhere and, and they'll get you when you least expect it. Yes, absolutely. There's no avoiding that. Yeah. So I it's thought that Facebook. was interesting. <laughs> they, they want to do like this interesting, like, oh, we're going to release part and parcel. And it's just like your biggest markets aren't releasing. Yeah. You're ruining your biggest markets. And I think that's going to really affect them in the end. So I thought that was interesting and also kind of dumb in mm. my opinion. <laughs> but I get they want to make money. They're sitting on this thing they've spent over $200 million on. Yeah. But. And you, you well, the thing is, though, you're seeing it from both mm. perspectives. You work in a movie theater, so you're seeing it from the business side. And you're an actor, so you're seeing it from, hey, like, I made this thing, I worked really freaking hard on it, and I want to show it to the world in whatever capacity I can. No, no, I would no. wait because I would want No, it that's to be, what I'm saying is, even yeah, as an actor, you're conflicting. No, I, both ways. I'm like, this is stupid. Yeah. The only reason I can see is because Christopher Nolan wants to be first, and I have uh, a ton of respect for Christopher Nolan. I love all his movies. I'm yeah. not a huge Interstellar fan. That's... It's still good, but yeah. I read that he gets 20% of initial run gross. So he wants to push it out. So he gets that 20%. Oh, this is him being greedy or him wanting to be first, which is more of a status thing than I want people to watch. Either way, it sucks. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a little less than, oh, I really want people to see this thing. It seems more like money, money, money. I'm king shit on big shit mountain. So do what I say, Warner yeah. Brothers, whereas every other movie's cool with like pushing it back another year mm-hmm. and waiting and seeing what's going on or Mulan or Bill and Ted being, let's just try something new and see if we make money. I, I, I don't know how I feel about it, but I thought I'd bring it up because I think it's really yeah. interesting. And I think it's something that is going to affect the movie, is going to affect the theater industry, is going to affect people who need almost need to rush to see it mm-hmm. in maybe unsafe conditions. Which is not ideal. Exactly. And I just feel that's all not in the all, reason we should be rushing to the movie theaters. Not, yeah. None of this is the best idea for any reason. And I just, I just wanted to talk about it because basically I wanted to vent because I think it's a dumb idea. 
But yeah, I don't think you should release anything if your two biggest markets can't see it because I think piracy is such a big deal now. It's a poor business decision. So anyway, catch Tenet on July 27th, I guess, (laughs) world, because it'll be everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I got. Yeah. You want another single cut? I want like eight more single cuts. (laughs) (laughs) Because this week we are drinking... Some cat from Japan. I'm not going to try and say that again. Oh, boo. I was going to say, come on. <laughs> By Single Cut Beer Smiths. Check it out. It's delicious. And thank you for tuning into this week's episode. So if you enjoyed it, please share it with your friends and subscribe to catch our future episodes. You can find us on crackinoneopen.com on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Open, or just shoot us an email at open at gmail.com with any comments, questions, or suggestions of a beer that you might want to hear us talk about. What do you got? I've got two other podcasts I do. I've got Forgotten Cinema that I do with my buddy Mike Field. It's a podcast about movies that, for whatever reason, seem to be forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the audience simply didn't catch on to it in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about it, maybe what we don't love about it, fun facts about its production, and why it was forgotten. Forgotten Cinema comes out every Wednesday. Uh, You can listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Go to ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com. Or follow us on social medias at Forgotten Cinema Pod. We put out really fun commercials every Thursday and we post quite True. often and we respond to everybody's comments when we can. I've also got two player bros I do with my buddy Dave about two guys who play way too many video games. Join me and Dave while every other week we do news previews and what we've been playing. We talk about the latest video game news from Xbox, PlayStation, Switch, VR. We have it all. We play it all. And every other week we've got post game presented by two player bros where we do a deep dive on some of your favorite games whether they be classics or brand new titles we'll tell you our thoughts on the game some notes on the production and it's a good time you can listen to two player bros at twoplayerbros.com follow us on social medias at two player bros or listen to us wherever podcasts can be found and a special thanks for our theme which was composed and performed by joe reichert till next time cheers cheers